Yeah, I, I pull up to calls where I'm like, oh, crap, this is not going to go very good. And by the end of the call, I am sitting there laughing, drinking coffee with the most wonderful individuals that just spent $60,000 with me. And sometimes when I get out into my truck, I'm like, shame on you, Coral. Like, you judged them. And now we have a double date on Saturday, and we're all going to sit down by their furnace and enjoy their indoor air quality. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you once again, and we are excited to invite on Coral Whale. That's right, the IAQ expert herself is going to be joining us today for a fantastic two-part episode focusing on indoor air quality. It's going to be a great time. Even if you're not an HVAC technician, she's going to bring out a lot of great presentation tools for you to apply in whatever business you are doing in. We're going to break down the idea for you ourselves here, and we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. The only thing standing between you and your goal is the BS story you keep telling yourself as to why you can't achieve it. Jordan Belfort. I like it. I I can actually understand that one on the first take. Thanks, Brian. You know, (laughs) (laughs) kept it a little lower level. Yes, thank you. I'm going to let Coral bring the heat today, you know? Right. Uh, You know who Jordan Belfort is? Uh, not by the name. Oh, dude, you got to step your movie game up. <laughs> this one's a little, uh, the, the rating's not in Nate's wheelhouse. Okay. But, uh, it's the Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, got it. Jordan Belfort is the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I thought that was Leo. <laughs> Leo played Jordan Belfort. It's a true story. Oh, oh, oh okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. If you haven't seen that movie, so so it is, it's one of those like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Boiler Room um can't think of the rest of them right now, but it immediately made one of the top sales salesperson movies of all time. And it's one of the ones that's like a more of a, a how not to do it, but the passion and the energy that's brought and, and uh, some of the sales skills in there are just phenomenal to watch. And it's a great time, but it is very deserving of, of its R rating. So <laughs> another one, uh, don't bring the family. <laughs> Got it. Well, speaking of uh, bringing the family, we do have Coral Whale joining us today, and she's not family by, uh, you know, relationship, but family of the show, so to speak, and we're happy to have her on to talk about indoor air quality. Yeah, and before we talk about indoor air quality, I wanted to stay on the excuses piece for a second because I have my team of of, uh, HVAC techs that I work with every Monday and Friday morning on their presentations, and today we talked about something that I talk about with every technician that I train Um, from personal experience, I know you're going to deal with this in a truck, which is what Jordan talked about is excuses is excusing yourself. And I look at it like you're on a, every morning you start at like the peak of a mountain and on the left side of that mountain is, you know, commission success, 
a, a happy, fulfilled day. Uh, excellent customer service, life-changing, sacrificial customer service. <clears throat> and on the right side of that mountain is just a lake full of excuses. And an excuse-making person is is almost always unhappy and uh, defensive and judgmental and really not enjoying themselves. But you, you get into this pit of despair and excuses and you get stuck there and you don't even feel like you want out. But <clears throat> every morning is a new opportunity to start at the peak of that mountain. But you take one step in either direction and now you're sliding downhill. And it is hard to get back to the top and start over, particularly on that negativity side, because that side is steep. So what we talked about was something that I heard Brian Tracy talk about maybe back in like early 2000s, where he said, the disease of excusitis, as he called it, the inflammation of the excuse-making gland, is a highly contagious Highly fatal disease. I love that. That's great. I'm looking yeah. at the quote right now because you still have it up on the board. Yeah, I wrote it on the whiteboard in the uh, conference room where we were training this morning. <clears throat> the disease of excusitis. It's the inflammation of the excuse-making gland, and it will ruin your career. It is highly fatal to a salesperson's career. And, you know, you might not be a salesperson. You might be a manager or owner or, or a CSR or service manager, you know, part runner. Doesn't matter. Whatever it is you do, if you get into the habit of excusing yourself, which is exactly what you're doing, excusing yourself for not winning in some way, shape, or form, it's habitual, it's contagious, and it is fatal to your career. And I mean that in every aspect of life. So we talked about the three main reasons that um, I hear almost daily of why people weren't successful today. And those three main, main reasons, they go, they're, they're industry standard. Number one, drive time. I spent my whole day driving. Now, the only way that's accurate is if you spent so much time driving that you did not hit a call. <laughs> then it's acceptable. Right? Shout out to our dispatchers. <laughs> but I'm guessing nobody delivers Amazon for a living uh, listening to this podcast. If right. you do, my bad. Hit me up on Facebook and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about you on a future episode. Number two, landlord tenant. Slumlord, right? Doesn't care about his, his tenants, doesn't care about the property. It's just a money-making machine for him. Number three, <clears throat> I don't know how to put this without you having to do some editing. But uh, at the, the company where I was running, you know, the first sales-oriented company where I ran maintenance calls, we called them flushes because we would, you know, I'm a plumber, so we'd flush the water heater, inspect the plumbing system. And uh, we would have a term for the maintenance call that you'd run to six months after you were there already, and then the, the top salesman in the company was there six months earlier, and then you were there six months before that, and you're like, FOF. It's just an effed out flush. Like there's nothing to get there. So we'll tackle these in backwards order. It's the maintenance call or the service call or whatever where the top salesman in the company was there, you know, just a handful of months before you're there today. And you already start telling yourself that there's nothing that can happen here. This is a done deal. 
Number two, the landlord tenant. Nobody could get anything out of this call. Why? He or she doesn't care. They don't care about their tenants. They don't care about their property. It's just an ATM for them. They just print money out of this place. <clears throat> number three, I, I spent my whole day driving, quote unquote. So number three is the easiest. If you ran a call, that's not true. Knock it off. If you had an opportunity, then you did not spend your whole day driving. If you think you're the only one in your company or in this industry who spent most of the day driving, knock it off. Thousands, sorry, dozens of people listening to the podcast also <laughs> think that they spend their entire day driving. And there are days you feel like it because you do. You might only get two calls because you spent the entire rest of the day driving or one call or whatever. That's just a change of perspective. You spend an entire day listening to Waste No Day. Right. Over and over again. Right? You're back flipping episodes for yeah. the third or fourth time. Like, you're we should growing, all baby. be so lucky. You're growing. So if you had an opportunity, you had an opportunity. Think about the opportunity. That's, that's A number one. Don't think about the drive. The drive is an opportunity to get better, to practice your performance, to listen to someone who might be doing it better than you, who's not better than you, but who's doing it better than you, typically because they trained more or listened to Waste No Day more. But your focus needs to be on the opportunity. So what am I going to do when I get there? How am I going to make this happen? Or what did I miss? Where do I need to uh, step my game up the next time I have this same opportunity? But don't think about the actual drive itself. You're just killing yourself. It's suicide. Career suicide. The landlord tenant. Here's the unfortunate piece. We had a plumber on a call <clears throat> this week where an electrician, he was doing his, his maintenance call. An electrician got there, I don't know, an hour in or whatever it was. As the electrician's walking in from our company, the plumber from our company tells him, nothing happening here. This landlord just doesn't care. Electrician uh, said, eh, all right, well, hang tight a bit. Electrician found some, some issues that could be uh, upgraded with the panel. Asked the plumber what he recommended. Plumber told him, water heater. Electrician said, I'll get both. <laughs> <laughs> Had not spoken to the landlord yet. Got the landlord on the phone and sold both items. Got Shout out, my man, Mr. Sparky. Yep. Got the panel, got the repairs. I'm actually not sure what he got in, in the electrical part, but also sold the water heater that the plumber was unable to get. And it was so bad that the plumber said, I could actually name him because he's, he's, he loves the lesson that he learned here and, and is, like, very proud of this happening. <clears throat> Kevin. It was Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was, like, overjoyed by this experience, like, getting to see that here's what you have to remember when you're running this call. Here's what you have to say to yourself. Somebody would connect with this landlord in a way that he would buy anything they recommended. It just wasn't me. Why not? How could I have connected with this guy? So I always say you need to have a mentor for real, but you also need to have this ideological mentor. You need to have this, this version of you in your head or the quote-unquote perfect salesperson. For me, it was my actual mentor early on, Lance. I would say, you know, what would Lance do? What would Lance have done? So in my head was this guy who could sell anything to anyone, and I attributed 
these godlike sales powers to him. I pretended that he could sell anything. So I'd be walking down the walkway or I'd get that, you know, second no, and I'm calling it a day. And I'd go, yeah, nobody could have sold this. And I'd go, well, wait a minute. Could Lance? And let me tell you, the answer has to be yes. And I know you guys who are way down the hill on that negativity side right now are going like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Don't do it for me. I, I got nothing to gain here from you selling more or getting better. I really don't. For the vast majority of people listening, all eight of you, I got nothing to gain by you becoming a better salesperson. It's all about your income and your family. And, you know, we're starting off on the foot that if you recommended it, it either needs to be done or they would greatly benefit from it. So if that's the case, you should be selling it. They should be doing it. If they can comfortably afford it, they should be doing it. So for your own sake, get that salesperson mentor in your mind. Maybe it's somebody that's been on the show. You haven't even met them. doesn't matter. And say to yourself, ask yourself, would so-and-so have sold this? And the answer is yes. And then the next question is, how? That's correct, Nate Minnick. The next question is, how would he have sold it? How would she have sold it? How would Coral Whale have sold this? And Coral Whale crushed, I think she did $2.2 million in over sales. Two, over $2 million for sure. In 2022, running almost all maintenance calls, maybe all maintenance calls, 70% of that was IAQ. She got to start selling equipment later this year, but 70% of her revenue for the entire year was, was indoor air quality, which is what, for those who aren't in HVAC, electronic air cleaners, humidifiers, dehumidifiers, this kind of thing, like stuff that you don't have to have in your home to have hot or cold air just comfort stuff and now i don't even know how many industries are listening anymore it's like hard to keep track but whatever it is that you're selling services of of plumbing water treatment uh, electrical surge protection uh, garage door openers all comfort stuff you know like quieter doors not necessities you just need your doors closed right but you guys are selling things to make the doors close so quietly you can't hear it when your bedroom is right above the garage, I gotta get I gotta get one of Tommy's people out, bro. Are they in Lancaster yet? <laughs> I need all these things. I want my garage to stay the same temperature as the rest of the house when the door is down. You know. There you go. So it's all in, and you know, you're you're at Woofies and you're selling like nail pedicures for dogs, an upsell thing. You know, people don't need this, but you're trying to sell these elective type things, uh, tree services and stuff. It's not necessity stuff, so you actually have to be somewhat skilled. So you have to have an attitude about it, a passion and love for it, like what Coral Whale here is going to talk about. You know, most of 70% of her sales were elective, non-necessity items. And you have to say to yourself, what would Coral do? What would Coral say or do in this home? Because I know that she would walk out with this sale. I don't have her here, unfortunately, to take over for me. But what would she say or do that would get it done? So the same goes for the quote-unquote FOF flush, the call that's just banged out so you know you're not getting anything out of it, is that you, you know you have enough products or services at your fingertips at your company that you could get something out of it. 
That's a fact. They don't have everything. Maybe you can refer another brand. I don't know. But most of the time, you have enough products in your brand that you could get something else out of it. If you can just connect with this client and show them some things that they would benefit from in a way that makes them want it. Now, that's your job as a salesperson. That's as far as it goes. So there you go. Drive time, nonsense. As Jordan Belfort said, BS story you're telling yourself. Landlord-tenant, nonsense. BS story you're telling yourself. Uh, Call that already has everything. Nonsense, BS story you are telling yourself. Make it a win. If nothing else, if there's absolutely nothing to get out of this call, this is the person that has to give you a five-star review on three different platforms. Writing a review. Taking a picture with you and posting on Facebook. If you can get nothing else out of this, Get yourself and your company famous. Make wow them so hard that they that they agree to to make reviews on three or four different um, social media platforms for you. Like that's a win, man. You'll walk out of that. You'll walk out of that call feeling like a champion, even though you didn't make any money on it. So, the disease of excusitis, contagious and fatal to the selling career, the inflammation of the excuse making glands. What Brian Tracy said happens to the people with the disease of excusitis, they get exiled to an island. That island is called Someday Isle. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. (laughs) I'll be in an an abbreviation for I will. Someday I'll start training in the evening. Someday I'll start spending my drive time getting better, listening to things like Waste No Day. Someday I'll start asking my clients to buy at the end of the presentation and stop hoping they will ask me. Someday I'll get a hold of someone like me, Brian, shoot me a text. Tell me your biggest objection. In fact, shoot them to me and I might, I'll probably read one on the air and and like we'll overcome it together. But this is what I do for a living. Um, Helping people with their sales presentations and overcoming objections is like as a vice president of sales, that's pretty much my job to help people make more money in less time is how I look at my role. So if you shoot me a text on, on uh, Facebook or whatever, find some way to get a hold of me, shoot me your biggest objection. I will, or even tag me in a post. I'll overcome it right there. I'm, I'm, I love doing that. It's a, it's a blast for me. But find yourself a mentor. Use someone from the show. Use Coral Whale in your head. What would Coral say? What would Coral do? But she is a very, very big accountability person as I spoke to her for a while before the episode. Her big thing is like, a lot of techs are too lazy to sell anything. It's just excuses, excuses. So I thought we'd start to show off today by talking about exactly that. I love it, Brian, and, and really great quote there from Brian Tracy. I think excuses is certainly a disease that we all uh, succumb to from time to time, some of us more than others. And that's something on this show that we want to be pushing back against constantly because it's so easy for that to slip in. What we're going to slip in now is one of our reviews, and we're so grateful for those of you who take the time to give us a a rating and a comment. We always appreciate those, and we'd love to hear your feedback. This is a funny one because uh, before I worked at a shop with electricians in it, I didn't know that Sparkies referred to themselves as Sparkies. I thought that was a derogatory term made up by the the plumbers, HVAC guys, sheetrock guys, painters on the new construction job sites that I'd be on that all hated Sparkies because they left their wire clippings everywhere. (laughs) Still do, as far as I know. But Sparky OG, (laughs) love that. Sparky OG said, 
my favorite podcast. Week in and week out, great content. We have our entire team listening to Dub ND as they drive between calls. Week in and week out, great content. We have our entire team listening to Dub ND as they drive between calls. Thank you, Sparky OG. I wish you had a name in there so we could uh, give you a shout out back. But I got to say, Brian, that does sound suspiciously like perhaps a guest we had on, I don't know, maybe episode 102. I could be wrong, uh, but it does have a familiar ring to it. Sparky OG. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's Aaron Hagen. Shout yeah. out to Aaron Hagen. If not, we love you anyway, Sparky OG. That's and cool. sh- shout out to Aaron Hagen for uh, shooting me a uh, little gift package with a couple shirts in it, like a Yeti tumbler, some pens and stuff. The uh, One of the shirts is awesome. It just says, uh, no more malarkey. It says Mr. Sparky under it. Nice. But it's like one of these shirts that makes my like muscles look bigger and my stomach look smaller. Really? Yeah. You'd have to have muscles to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I wore it at the gym the other day and I'm like, man, it's like, it's tight at the top, but loose at the bottom. <laughs> like Hagen, my man. Yeah. I mean, next time I'll, I'll get a pic and uh, post it in the, in the hey, group. Hagen's getting tailored t-shirts over there. Yeah. Or for me at least. <laughs> I appreciate you, buddy. Nice. Well, Hey, who we appreciate now is Coral Whale. She's joining us for the show today and it's going to be a two-parter. So make sure you stay tuned next week for the conclusion of this episode. But right now we're going to put Coral Whale in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Coral Whale. She is the self-proclaimed HVAC queen. She lives in Colorado Springs and services HVAC out of the Colorado area. Welcome to the show, Coral. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor for us, Coral. And it was, uh, it was an honor to chat with you on the phone what, last week or whatever it was. And then a little bit more yesterday. And after both conversations, I got off the phone and I was like, we're firing all the guys who work here. <laughs> all the guys <laughs> in trucks here. Because Coral's like, uh, Coral is an animal. And it's funny because I see you, you'll post in some of the sales groups uh, selling Facebook groups that we're both in, I'll see you post things where I'm like, no way she said that. Like, there's no, there's no way you said that. And then you'll follow it up with, and I can get away with it because I'm a woman. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that is, that is true. Um, and I don't like to use that excuse a lot, but there, there are some things that I say that some people just can't get it. It's delivered wrong from other people. I think it's all about the delivery. Um, and the rapport that you build with the client, I mean, you can say some really off the wall things, uh, if you have a good rapport with your clients, you know? Right. Absolutely. I look forward to jumping into some of that conversation, but first let's start off with a little introduction for you. How did you get started in HVAC and what is it that you're doing now? Um, I started, uh, let's see, I worked at an electrical company about 13 years ago. And there was this girl who came in as an electrician and she just started wiping up the floor in the, with these sales. It was incredible. Every single call this girl went out to, she was selling panels and just beating all the boys. And I was like, you know, I really want that, but I don't know how to get there. I'm just a dispatcher, you know? Um, and I, that was my first commission job, actually, as a dispatcher at this electrical company, which was pretty cool. Um, and 
then I kind of forgot about it. I had moved on and I went and did a couple other like odd jobs and I ended up in the medical field for a little while and I ended up circling back around to another company and uh, went in and started doing dispatching and I was selling maintenance agreements over the phone for the technicians. And it was an hourly position. And I was like, I hate, I hate this. I hate not making a commission. I, I, I don't understand how people live hourly wise. And so I went to the owners of the company and I said, look, I know I'm just a dispatcher and I'm probably a nobody to you guys, but this is what I want to do. And so I presented a commission-based structure for myself on selling maintenance agreements. And I started making a ton of money. That is not something they like at all. <laughs> okay. At all. They did not like that. They did not want to pay me commission. I was making far too much money. I was making more money than their technicians in the field. Um, and so they decided that it was a pretty bad decision on their part. And we ended up parting ways. And I eventually made it to an HVAC company um, that day, actually. I interviewed with an HVAC company uh, to go around to businesses and sell, again, maintenance agreements. I wasn't in the field at this point. This is about 12 years later. This was, I think it was about three years ago this happened. And um, he came to me one day and the owner of the company said, how do you feel about being out in the field? And I was like, with a tool bag, like you, with a hammer, you want me to go out in the field and work? And he was like, yeah, I'll train you how to do it. I'll train you how to do maintenances. I rode around with one of the top technicians there for a week. He was a service tech. Um, and that's where I took off. I, I was done at that point. I've been in the field ever since. That was about three years ago. Um, and I started realizing that I could sell indoor air quality products, solve people's problems, and make a ton of money. And my career just took off after that. I've been full speed ahead ever since. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. you, you've been in and out of the trades to some capacity for well over a decade then. Yeah, in different forms. I mean, I've worked in the office, back office, front of office, um, of course, dispatching. And then I went and worked for a mobile RV guy. Uh, so I learned actually a lot of electrical and plumbing things there um, and started getting the lingo down. So by the time I actually ended up in the field, I already had quite a bit of knowledge about, I don't know, just random off the wall things I can start conversations with clients about like main lines and water treatment and electrical and panels and FTE panels and all this weird stuff. Um, and I just started educating. I, you know, I come home after work and I sit down and I educate myself um, on products and what I need to be able to say to my clients so that it's truthful um, and be able to deliver my message to them so that they'll buy from me. So I already had quite a bit of experience as far as like the construction trades were concerned. Uh, and that really helps me today a lot. What about the mechanical aptitude though, Coral? I mean, uh, what, did you have a background, you know, as a child growing up that you like taking things apart and that type of stuff, or where did no. you pick up on the nuts and bolts of it? I, have no idea. Well, okay. And to be completely honest with you guys, I am one of the least technical persons in the industry today. Um, 
but I know enough to be able to go to my clients and say, I can troubleshoot. I can definitely low voltage troubleshoot and do some things like that. But when it comes down to, I mean, really getting into say like a chiller or something like that, I have no idea. Um, a lot of the times I'm actually on the phone with my service managers asking them questions and still educating myself every single day about why this component isn't working or what we need to do to get the system up and running or something like that, which is why maintenance is perfect for me. I don't go out to down systems where I need to spend five hours trying to figure out what the fix is. I'm going to proactive clients that would like their system cleaned and presenting solutions for other things in their home. Um, and that's why I think I excel so much because I'm finding issues and I'm giving them a solution and they want it. They've never been presented a solution before. Well, I'm sure it's not the first time that you've heard of Coral, but we do have a fair amount of technicians listening. And some of them may come from more of a technical mindset that they're saying, well, you know, oh, yeah, nice and easy for you. You're out there in an HVAC uniform, but you don't know crap about the industry. Right. What do, what do you say to that type of mentality? I mean, I, I feel like I do know. I mean, when I'm out there with guys or I'm training and when I'm talking to clients, I know a lot about machines and HVAC and how they work and all that type of stuff. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell them. Maybe, maybe they should educate themselves a little bit better on the delivery process. Um, you know, but I don't have to know a whole bunch about this industry, especially running maintenance calls. I mean, a lot of companies right now are veering out to hiring people in different sales positions that have never even heard of HVAC. Um, some of the best employees that I've seen be hired are from Starbucks or from Dutch Brothers where they talk your ear off and they're really good with people. I don't have to know how to get a machine up and running if it's already running when I get there. That's the beauty about maintenance calls. And so in some ways you're, you're part of a new, a new wave of technician, not to say that there, there won't always be, you know, the technical piece of it, but you're, you're part of a communication wave, whereas the trades have traditionally been more of the, uh, let's go into the basement, fix stuff and come back up. You're, you're part of this new version of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're always going to have the wrench turners and every single company needs them. We need those technicians to be able to go in and really figure out what's wrong with some of these systems. Um, and that's fine. But that at the end of the day is not going to keep a major business or corporation running. It's the sales teams and the people really, truly putting money in the bank that are going to make that company run for 30, 40, 50 years, you know? Absolutely. And that's in uh, such a refreshing thing to see. And, and one of the main emphasis for this podcast is to open up more conversations about that mentality where it's okay. It's okay to be doing what you do. And you know what? It's okay for somebody to be more technical. It's okay for somebody to be more communication oriented and we can each learn from each other. And I'm sure you've experienced that over the years as you've fight, fought for respect in what you do. Uh, but I'm sure you're very willing to give respect back to somebody who's far more technical than you are. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, I spend a lot of time on the phone with some of my head technicians out in the field. Um, my service manager, they will help me. I mean, they'll stay on the phone and troubleshoot with me if I need them to for two hours to figure out the issue. And, and it's a ton of education for me. But at the same time, those are the same technicians who are coming to me saying, can I do a ride along with you today? I don't understand what you're doing. Like, I can barely feed my family and you're over here not caring about having to work every single day of the week until 9 p.m. at night. What are you doing? And I take them into a house with me and just by the time we get back out to the truck and I look over at them, their face is like completely blank. And they're like, what just happened in there? It was a show. Like you put on an experience for the client and they loved you. I've been in this house 20 times and they, I haven't been able to sell anything. They don't listen to me. They don't care. And I'm like, it's because you didn't show them that you cared, you know? Um, so yeah, those guys are the ones that are now reaching out to me and saying, I want to learn what you're doing. And I think those are going to be some of the most powerful technicians out in the field. The technicians that could build a rapport with the clients like I do and then present solutions. And they're also the wrench turners. They can fix it right there on the spot. That is something I'm very, very envious of. I don't necessarily do that. I could, but it would take me six hours. I just don't have that kind of time. Um, so some of the most dangerous guys in the field are the ones that are actually trying to learn from people like myself. Right. And you say dangerous as in a good way, as in like, here we oh, go. Yeah. This guy's going to be a beast, that type of thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's the point that I'm trying to get to. I'm actually trying to flip myself into more of a very technical type of person to where, you know, hey, a, this client definitely is not upgrading as far as indoor air quality products or they're not getting a new system, but they definitely need a blower motor you know, I could throw in a blower motor, no problem. It'll just take me triple the time that some of these other guys are doing it in. And if I'm not in houses, I'm losing money. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. If I could just throw it in, then I would build a ton of rapport with the clients, more than I've already built. But because I can't, I send somebody else out. I basically have somebody that runs behind me to do all of my wrench turning work and we split commissions and things like that. So he's making a lot more money. I'm making a lot more money and the more houses I'm in, my company is making more money. So it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And we are looking forward to understanding more about what that looks like, Coral. So let's dive in. What does a day-to-day look like for you uh, in terms of what you're doing and what it looks like in the home? So I go to, you know, I mean, I dispatch straight from my house. I'm barely ever in the office, which is really flexible. Um, I run anywhere between two to four calls on a good day. I normally don't like any more than four calls because I feel like I can't really build the value with my clients if I have a ton of calls on my schedule. Um I usually average anywhere between twenty thousand to forty thousand dollars a day in sales, and I go home. I'm home by maybe three, four o'clock in the afternoon, and and that's my day. 
back up. Was that twenty to forty thousand a day? A day. There are definite months where I have averaged twenty thousand um, dollars a day. You know, and it, I I feel like that's super. If I don't sell twenty thousand dollars a day, I'm almost disappointed in myself. Are I'll you, be honest. Are you selling equipment? I do sell equipment. Most of my sales are uh, indoor air quality with equipment. Um, but keep in mind, I am going to systems that are running. These systems are not broken. They are proactive clients. And um, I give them options to upgrade into better systems with better airflow, get them better air quality. UV lights, um, duct cleaning, things like that. So yeah, I mean, I get in there and we start having conversations. And by the time I know it, by the end of the day, if I don't sell twenty thousand, I'm pretty disappointed in myself. Wow, that that's amazing, Coral, and all mostly in maintenance calls for IAQ. So, what's the quick math have you tracking for this year? Uh, this year, I'm at two point one million in sales. Wow. I've written 489 calls. My average ticket is 8,527. Jeez. And that is 97% maintenance only calls. I, I love how you have those stats just ready to go. It's like, uh, yeah, let me, let me check. Oh, no, here they are. I have them right for you. Yeah. <laughs> I have always, and I have always encouraged it. Always. I tell everybody, track your numbers. It's a game changer. If, if you're not tracking your numbers and you don't know exactly where you sit every second of the day, who's in front of you and who's behind you, you are really, really hurting yourself for sure. Yeah. But way before we had iPads, <laughs> Brent, Buck, yeah. Brent Buckley and I, who came up together at the same company had uh, our, our little binder, I guess, where every, it was like, calendar binder where every job we ran got written down in there. And at the end of yeah. every week, every month, we did our own, we did our own average, like ticket average, closing percentage, uh, maintenance fee only, diagnostic fee only, mostly because mm -hmm. when the managers put it up on the board, we wanted to be able to argue that it wasn't right. Yeah. But, uh, also, also to hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. Well, and it really does hold me accountable. And the other thing it helps me out with too is say I'm having a really bad week. I don't just go out and do this every single day. I mean, especially being in sales, we have sometimes weeks where we don't sell anything at all. Um, but I can go back in my calendar and I can say, all right, it's okay. Uh, there was this one week about two years ago where I sold absolutely nothing and I ended the month with 400000 in sales. And tomorrow's a new day and let's go get it, you know? Um, so tracking my numbers also really helps me stay um, positive, especially if I'm just going to houses and hearing a whole bunch of no's right in a row. And that does happen um, to a lot of us. And it can put you in a pretty big slump if you don't know how to pull yourself out of that. Right. And we've done entire episodes on the importance of KPIs because you need those indicators to be able to tell you whether you're winning or losing. And you can't just get right. to the end of the month and be like, oh, I lost. Uh, 15 days ago, I lost. You need, you need to be able to right. see that live time, so to speak, so that somebody, 
yourself or your numbers slaps you in the face and say, Hey, wake up here. You know, we got to change some stuff. But you said yeah. something, you, you know, you keyed in on something on the phone last week where you just said, you know, some HVAC techs and we don't need to exclude the plumbers and electricians in this shoot everybody. I mean, swimming pool cleaners, garage door techs, whoever's listening are just straight up lazy. Like yeah. they, they don't care. They're not getting involved in this. They're not holding themselves accountable. They refuse to, they even asking a, a client to become an owner of the, like they, they might do the presentation they have to do because it's part of the job, but it usually ends with, Hey, and you know, here's my card. Give me a call if you ever want to do something without mm-hmm. actually asking the person to buy. And it's, it really is just laziness because doing that stuff in the beginning is work. You know, it's hard work. It's hard work to every time you get out of a job to bust out a notepad and write all that stuff down. And even now, you know, you have service Titan or Successware or Sarah or whatever, whatever you're running at the company you're at. That's really going to track all this stuff for you. It makes it, it makes it pretty easy, but there are, there's a double digit percentage of techs everywhere that will just refuse to look at this stuff, to take it seriously. Um, I believe, I believe largely it's a self-esteem issue where, you know, they don't think they're that good or that, that being great is for them. It's, it's certainly where I try to work at as a sales trainer, um, Mm -hmm. try to, try to get them there and get them to be more confident and understand that every one of us who ever produced highly in a truck started out horribly, uh, unable to talk to people, unable to ask for the business terrified of rejection. Um, you know, the word no was, was threatening at one time to all of us. And then we just came through it. And I usually try to relate it to like a video game. You know, the first time you played call of duty or Mario Kart, if you're going back my day, you know, whatever, whatever the video game is today, like you've, you fully expected you're going to suck at it. You're not going to be any good when you pick the remote up for the first time, but you also know the 50th time you play, you're going to be pretty good. And nobody, right. Nobody, and even like trouble, you know, the little pop-up bubble game trouble that I play with my kids every now and then when, you know, we have four kids now. So every few years we have to introduce a new kid to the game of trouble. (laughs) The rest of the team, the rest of the team gets stressed out while we wait for Clara now to learn that don't, don't punch the bubble because everybody's pieces go flying out of the board, you know? Um, Well, then once played 50 times, she'll learn like then all of us, how to manipulate that dice so that it always lands on that six, you Wait, know? you can do that? Hold on, hold oh, on. You- pause it. Nate, cut this out. I don't want my family hearing this. Daddy just became a winner It's at okay, all. they don't listen anyways. <laughs> Truest thing Nate will say today. Yeah, but, we, but we, don't, we don't look at it like, we look at it like the selling game is the game we're either born good at or not. And I hate that, I hate that mindset. Because it, it makes my job is, is training people to, to be good at presenting. It makes it harder because people who are not natural talkers think they're not going to be good salespeople. Nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think going back to the laziness portion, I, and I know, I know sales guys can relate or maintenance techs especially can relate if they're out there doing their job. I will go to houses where the clients do my favorite houses too. Hey, Miss Smith, uh, when's the last time you had a maintenance on it? Oh, I get it every year religiously. The system is 15 years old. Every single year, it 
has been told to me that this system is absolutely perfect. I'm like, okay, excellent. That's great. Thanks. Wonderful. I do not have clients that take care of their systems. I'm so glad that you're proactive about it. This is what I'm going to do. I'll generate this report. You and I will go over, you know, go over it after I'm complete. Okay, great. I go down to the coil. There's still pookie all over it. It's never been opened in 15 years. That thing has never been opened. Somebody has been going into Miss Smith's house, looking at the system, maybe wiping it down and telling her that it's running fantastic, you know? And I open up that coil. Those are my absolute favorite coils to open in the entire world. There's covered in hair, dust, debris, no airflow is getting out of there. It started causing the blower motor to leak grease and all a whole bunch of stuff. And I go up there and I show her this and she's like, what's that? I'm like, this is your HVAC system. This is your air conditioner. She's like, I'm never calling those guys back again. They've been maintaining this system for 15 years. They've never shown me pictures. They've never told me anything. I've never seen this before. What are we going to do about it? That's my favorite question in the entire world. What are we going to do about it? I ask it when my clients ask it to me, I already know they're looking for the solutions, but I am making so much money off of lazy technicians. I want them to get better. I want the lazy technicians to realize that if they just weren't as lazy, they would make a ton of money. Their clients would be happy with them. Their businesses would be thriving. But at the same time, without those lazy technicians out in the field, it hurts me, right? (laughs) So I need them. I need them. Uh, Double-edged sword. Got it. It is. It is. But we're all here to help each other. I truly do believe that. And I I wish more people were on that same boat in the industry. Um, I don't really have many competitors, I guess you could say. But I'm also always wanting to bring my team up with me and, and teach them how to maybe give a better delivery or not be so lazy and follow an actual process. Um, but I really think that if we all just kind of helped each other a little bit more instead of slamming each other all the time, this place would be so much better. There's too many clients out there for us to be competing like that, you know? Absolutely. And I have to ask you, Coral, I mean, it sounds like you can hold a conversation quite well. Did you just happen to walk in and uh, have this immediate success? Uh, Were you born with a piece of IAQ in your hand or how did you get to be the monster that you are today? You know, I figured out how to solve problems. That's it. I, the, the bigger the problem you solve, the more money you make. And so when I first started out in the field, I remember my very first couple of days, I was terrified. I didn't know how to talk to the clients. Um, I had always kind of done something as far as sales were concerned and dealing with people, but a lot of it was over the phone. Um, so the first problem I actually started out learning how to solve was um, leaky blower motors, believe it or not. No IAQ, no anything like that. It was me figuring out how to show the client that their blower motor was leaking grease and oil, which is a problem. And then I started figuring out how to show them. And I would record it on my phone and I would show them how dirty their blower cage was and their blower motor leaking grease and oil. And once I showed them that, I sold a blower motor on almost every call. Because I feel like 
almost all of the blower motors leak grease and oil. And in my mind, even though I'm not very technical, I do know that a motor needs grease and oil in order to always run efficiently and not seize up. So even though I'm not technical, I know that that's a problem, right? Once I figured out how to solve that problem, I sold blower motors on every single call. They needed it. And then I figured out that, okay, what is this leaky blower motor not blowing efficient air? What other issues are it causing within the system? And then I figured out that coils get really, really dirty if they don't have good filtration. And then that's when I really started selling indoor air quality. Um, I started selling the filters. And some people are totally against 24-volt electronic filters. I love them. I sell them to all of my clients. I have them in my house. I see how they work. I believe in them. And because I believe in them, my clients feel it. They, they can feel me believing in the product that I'm selling to them. And they will buy it every single time, no matter what. I got one of those at home too. You do as well, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. That thing's, uh, I love that thing's clutch, in my opinion. Yeah. They're amazing. And, and it blows my mind that you get onto some of these HVAC groups and they're like, those filters are a scam. They don't work. Um, why You guys are out there scamming people. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I've seen them work. I have them in my house. They work. And I return to my clients' houses after a year, especially if they're members, because I run their maintenance calls. Hey, how's that filter working out for you? Coral, I've never felt better in my life, in my house. I mean, my dust is gone, my allergies. I can open my windows now. It's working. Yeah, but um, if, if you put Duracell batteries in someone's smoke detector, some HVAC tech online is going to tell you you're ripping them off by not using Energizer. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's always just, somebody it's out there who that we are in the trades. I know. And I hate that. I don't know why. Why are people doing that? I don't and know. I, Nate doesn't know. let me do that anymore. So I just, I just don't do it <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> well, Coral, I'm sure it's not the first time that, uh, whether it's online or in person that you've heard people, uh, have opinions about indoor air quality. You know, what, what was your process? And it sounds like you evolved your process into believing them over a course of time of like seeing one thing lead to another. But if somebody's listening to this program, they're like, Oh, here we go with the IAQ stuff again. I mean, what's your message today now that you're on the other side of it, so to speak, looking back, did you ever have a doubt about how it worked or did you just automatically become a believer? Did somebody sell you on it and you're still blind today? What, what do you say? Placebo. Um, you know, I, that's, that's a tough question. I, uh, I always thought that the products would be useful but until I really put them in my own house and experienced them, it was really hard to sell them. Um, it's really tough to sell in a product that you don't believe in. So, I mean, honestly, if, if there's guys sitting out there and they're like, I hate indoor air quality, I don't believe in it, I encourage them to invest just a little bit of money because it will pay for itself for them to go out and buy the products that they don't believe them in and then install them in their house give it a month. And I promise you, those guys are going to be the same guys that are sitting on this podcast one day saying, I should have done it 10 years sooner. Um, and I came from the medical field too. So when I worked in medical, I dealt with a lot of uh, DME. That's what I did in the medical field for about two years. 
for, the, for the uninitiated, could you tell us what that means? Yep. So DME, durable medical equipment. Um, all of my patients had like BiPAP and CPAP machines. They were oxygen users. A lot of them had COPD. They had uh, severe allergies, asthma, um, sinus issues, especially where I'm in. I'm in Colorado. So we get tons of allergies. And um, so I started using that with my clients on site. And I started telling them, you know, hey, one of the reasons why I moved from durable medical equipment into HVAC was because I realized that your houses were killing you with all of the dust and the debris in your ventilation system. And you keep claiming that you have these horrible allergy symptoms and your sinuses are always messed up and all this kind of junk. Well, look at what you're breathing in. You don't even have a filter in your HVAC system. So I don't, you know, if you don't have good filtration, you are the filter. That's what I tell all of my clients. If you don't have good filtration, you are the filter. And then it really gets them thinking about what they're breathing in. And the second I take all of that stuff out of the air or I install indoor air quality products, their symptoms in their home cease to exist. And I get letters and five-star reviews on Google and phone calls from my clients just almost crying. They're, they're almost crying, just thanking me for helping them find a solution that nobody else has ever provided them. They had no idea. And once I told them why, they were the happiest people in the world. I still get calls from my clients to this day. Girl, I, just, I can't believe you helped my wife so much. You Literally, it's life-changing to be able to go home and live healthy in your own house. That's us. You, you ever do uh, like you get one of those calls and you're on a call and, and this guy just will not part with the money and you're like, hold, I'm glad you called right now, uh, Paul, to tell me about how much it helped your wife. I'm going to put you on speaker here. I like the, uh, you, if, if you don't have a filter, you are a filter. The one I train here is uh, the first, do you know what the biggest filter in your home is? Air filter. It's the, one in you. Your, it's the one in your HVAC system. Do you know what the second biggest filter in your home is? It's your lungs. Yeah. And then, and then slowly look over at the kids. I'm not going to tell you what the third and fourth are. <laughs> <laughs> I have some testimonials, actually, that I will carry around with me. Um, the other thing as well is I will, right in front of a client, um, pull up Google reviews. Um, and I will show them. I just pull it up on my phone or my iPad or whatever. And I get so many reviews. That's another thing that really helps me out in the industry too. And I ask for reviews constantly. I think a lot of people with the technology we have these days are forgetting that word of mouth is still the biggest marketing influence you could ever have ever. And when I show people that other people are benefiting from what I sold them, and I almost make it a, a wolf pack mentality at that point. You know, people buy from people they trust. And if they see other people online praising me for what I put in their home or how much I help them or how much it's working, it, it's the job sells itself. You know, people a lot of times forget that people aren't really buying products. I mean, they're buying me, right? They're buying my service. And my belief, I'm just transferring my belief to another person. That's all I'm doing. 
Well, let's speak about that, Cole, because what you're doing, uh, we've done an episode on actually, is the definition of sales, the transfer of enthusiasm, and that it's very clear that you are enthusiastic about what you do. But right. let's, let's talk about it from a nuts and bolts perspective, the process, because we're big believers that if you don't have a process, you're going to come up with erratic and uh, you know, just wild results that you cannot predict. You don't know why you're winning. You don't know why you're losing. But you've obviously been able to dial that in to be able to hit a consistent metric, you know, $20,000 a day or $8,000 average ticket. You've been able to hit that on a consistent metric. So clearly you have a process. Mm -hmm. what, what is that process and how, how are you using it or how did it evolve into what it is today? Tell us about some of the mistakes that you made even along the way to get to what you're using now. Well, so I walk into a house, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of run you through one of my actual calls. Um, my process at the front door is always the same. And I think a lot of successful companies are now preaching it as well. Of course, you knock on the door, step back, make sure you're not threatening or standing up there with a million tools, always the shoe covers, you know. Um, I walk in the house and one of the parts about my process that I'm constantly telling myself in the back of my head is the second I step into a house, that's my house now. I own that house. This is my show. Welcome to the Coral Show. So the second I walk into the house, I bring a presence with me of, I know what I'm doing. You can trust me. You can believe me. I'm knowledgeable. I'm ready to work for you. I'm ready to service you. You know, I'm here to be of service. Thank you for having me in your home today. Um, for the first five minutes of the call, I'm pretty much strictly business. I'm not really prying into their life and their kids' pictures hanging on the wall and all this stuff. It's, I walk in the door, hey, Miss Jones, um, my name's Coral. I am here to do the maintenance on your furnace. How's it been running for you? Oh, my furnace is great, Coral. It's been running fantastic for 20 years. I've had a service on it every single year. We should have no issues. Wonderful. My, my goal today is to keep it that way, Miss Jones. Thank you so much for having me. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start at your thermostat. Um, and then I'm going to go downstairs. I encourage you to come with me so that you can ask any questions that you have while I'm working on it. If you don't want to do that, that's totally fine. Uh, I take a ton of pictures and videos while I'm working on your system. And then when I'm all done, I'll holler at you. We can sit down and go over everything together. Does that sound okay? Yeah, well, that sounds fantastic. Um, it's down the hallway. Cool. So I go to work, and my favorite part of this process is a form that I created that everybody in the company should follow. It is the same form with the same picture requirements, amp draws, readings, videos, and everything. It's about, I'd say it, it has maybe about 15 um, line items on it that you need to fill out and put information in and data and stuff like that. And then after that, it's easy. I mean, I go up, I holler at Miss Jones. Hey, Miss Jones, are you ready to go over my findings? Yep. Where would you like to sit? We go and sit down. I start going through my iPad and my findings and letting her know, you know, what could potentially be an issue in the future, what's an issue right now. 
uh, we go, and that's when I really start digging into, oh, by the way, um, you know, do you have any allergies here? Or who has allergies in the home? Oh, my husband has super bad allergies in the home. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I was assuming. Um, I was hoping that wasn't the case, but I, I definitely want to talk to you about your filtration. And we jumped straight into a conversation about filtration and the findings of my report. And then, you know, at that time, I already have options built out. You know, I've come up with some really good solutions for you. This is, this is what we can do to fix an immediate issue. This is what we can proactively do to make sure it doesn't fail in the near future. And these are just some really, really nice to have items that I think you and your hubby would benefit from. Um, you know, what would, what should we do here? You know? Um, and that's my process. I have a very strict process when I'm in the house and I do it every single time with every single client and absolutely no judgment at all whatsoever. Well, speak about that. What do you mean no judgment towards their decision or towards them as a client and prejudging them? What do you mean? Um, prejudging, you know, I ran into it yesterday. I think I tagged you in something on Facebook or whatever. And I think it was actually from Britt Moore. He's, he's become a really cool person in my life. Um, he's encouraged me a lot. And he had mentioned that he has tried to tell his team what I do. And they said, Oh, she's in a rich neighborhood of Colorado. Anybody could do that. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I'm not, <laughs> first of all, we're not. And you know, my best clients, the ones that spend the most money with me are middle-class everyday working individuals. Their houses are not immaculate. It is not clean. They have children. They have busy lives. They have animals. Um, so when I say no judgment, I don't, I, I think it's just an absolutely horrible thing that some people walk into a house and judge people based upon the way they live or the cars in the driveway or the money that they think the client has and they won't present solutions for their for their problems because they don't think they're going to spend money and it's a waste of time. And I just, oh my God, when I run my own company, if I have a technician like that on my team, I'm going to fire him faster than I hired him, you know? <laughs> Sounds like it. you have aspirations already. I like it. Yeah. And I just, the prejudgment. Now it is hard not to do, right? It's, it's, it's a thousand percent a mindset that you have to fight every single call. I do. I do. I, I mean, they're in the back of my mind in the very, very far back. Cause I've learned how to push it really far into the back of my brain. Yeah. I, I pull up to calls where I'm like, Oh crap. Like, this is not going to go very good. And by the end of the call, I am sitting there laughing, drinking coffee with the most wonderful individuals that just spent $60,000 with me. And sometimes when I get out into my truck, I'm like, shame on you, Coral. Like you judged <laughs> them. And this was the coolest freaking call. And now we have a double date on Saturday and we're all going to sit down by their furnace and enjoy their indoor air quality. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing shots of treated air, huh? 
Yeah, exactly. I'm like, and, and I, I'm like, I'm so jealous of you guys. Like, this is going to be so cool. Your daughter's going to benefit from this so much. And just me walking in there, prejudging them, thinking that it was a wasted call and I'm mad at my dispatch and I hate my company and I want to quit HVAC. I'm like, shame on you. That was a dirty, nasty thought and you, you should be fired, you know? Same, same one goes when you pull up in the circular driveway and you drive around the fountain, you know, and knock on like the 30 foot oak door and uh, you're, you're all excited and then they fail financing. Buddy, it's those rich people. You know what I mean? They're rich for a reason and it's because they don't want to spend their money for sure. And, and again, that is a prejudgment on my part. And I really try and not do that. I really, really do. But if people want to slam me on Facebook or social media or they hate what I do, um, that's fine, right? But in all reality, like, everybody deserves the same treatment, the same process, the same great attitude on every single call you run, period. So that sounds like something that you have worked your way into, Coral, in terms of not prejudging somebody. Perhaps you've made some other mistakes along the way that you've corrected into the process that you use now. What have been some other learning elements that you've developed over the years? Um, talking too much. Well, you know, that, that was one of the biggest things that um, I learned in the very, very beginning was I was talking way too much and not giving my clients time to think and process. And, um, I wanted a yes immediately. Like if I did not get a yes immediately when I first started working, I was like, I suck at this job. There's no way I'm going to do it. I need to go find an office job. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and once I learned to shut up, I had I mean, my success rate went up by 70%. Not being forceful, not being pushy, and letting my clients think about what I just told them, absorb the information, and then make an educated decision. So I think when you're first working and getting out into the field, the art of silence is going to be your absolute best friend. I work with that on, with some of my technicians, but... Um, that I train with and I go on ride-alongs and things like that. I have to tell them if I'm riding along with a brand new technician to shut up. There is going to be the most awkward silences when you're listening to me talk to clients. You're going to want to talk. Please don't. Please do not speak. Um, it's a sales tactic and it really, really helps. So definitely a huge mistake uh, that I made for months when I was out selling. And then one of my mentors actually was like, Coral, you're talking too much. Shut up. Stop talking. Let them, let them sell themselves. And once I started doing that, it became a light switch. I, it was very awkward at first, but I could literally see my client's brain working and selling themselves on the products that I just presented to them. And before I knew it, they were picking my top options just over and over and over and over again. And then it just became extremely consistent. Nice. So we have Simon Garfunkel and now Coral Whale with the sound of silence. It's good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is a, there is a training, like a self mastery that, that 
has to happen with that, with, you know, leaving toddler coral in the, in the truck when you go into the home, at least to ask yeah. the, the closing question, because the saying, you know, there's a million different versions of it, but the one I like is once the, once the buying questions asked, whoever speaks first leaves with the product is mm -hmm. it's super true. And it got to the point with, a, I always had an apprentice in my passenger seat and it got to the point where I would say in the beginning, we're going to go back in here and I'm going to give them the opportunity to become an owner right now with a yes or no question. Not only do you not speak, but you see this mole on my cheek. <laughs> That's where you look until they say yeah. yes. Do not look at them. Do not make yeah. eye contact. Don't start crying. Don't scream. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell them you'll, you'll buy it for them. Yep. Well, yeah, it's uh it's it's an incredible tool. It's one of the the best tools I carry with me is is silence for sure. That's good, Coral, and that's something that uh, you know we have found to be successful here as well. I'm just curious along the way if if somebody is listening to that piece of it and they're thinking like, oh, wait wait a minute, that's me. Like I'm I'm very guilty of that. I start talking when I get awkward silence. What did you do to train yourself out of that? Because that, that had to be very difficult to tell yourself to shut up. Like, what were some things that you found successful in helping yourself stay quiet, even when it got long and awkward? Say the alphabet. That's what I started doing. Wow. Never tried that one. In your, in your head, we assume. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be very helpful. <laughs> a, B, C. Uh, and which one would you like to go with? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. Oh, wait, I don't know anymore. I went to Detroit Public School. <laughs> I would stand there. Um, another thing that I had to process or uh, practice with the silence was uh, mirroring the client. Um, and that can be very awkward, too. But I am starting to work on the... Um, mastering imagery and so if i present the options to the clients and they cross their arms silently i will cross my arms i step back maybe a foot or two and i start saying the alphabet in my head over and over and over again and uh i do not speak until they say yes now I, I just, I just got a mental image of Nate, Nate and Sarah Minnick here, uh, sitting at the table and Nate says, no, thank you. And Coral just sits there quietly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe. And Coral just sits there quietly. Uh -huh. right, yes. Fine. Yes. And Coral's like, oh, okay, good. I can stop saying the ABCs. Inquiring minds want to know, Coral, how many times have you made it through an alphabet <laughs> at one call? Uh I have said with one client, we sat there for about a half an hour, dead silent, dead silent. <laughs> no way. Yes. Dead silent. Brian like he, would have gone through the alphabet three times in that. No, well, I would have had to text you for what's after J. But. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the alphabet at that point. And by that time I was just kind of sitting there like, okay, don't speak, don't speak, don't speak, don't speak, don't speak. And he just kept looking at my iPad and then he'd look at me. And I always made sure that when he looked at me, I was looking at him dead in the eyes, very awkwardly, you know, just staring at him. Like, are you, he knew he was a sales guy. He was a sales guy. I know he was. And he was just, he would not say anything at all. And we sat there for a half an hour just staring at each other. And eventually he just looked up at me and he said, yeah. 
let's do it. I was like, <laughs> he's like, I've had to pee for just, 40 minutes here. I'm just going to buy it. So just, get I lost. Here. I feel defeated. Yeah. And, then, you know, and my favorite question after that is how would you like to take care of payment on that? <laughs> and, and, you know, and by that time now, every, once he said yes, the whole, you could just feel the room become so much lighter. And he was like, yeah, anyways, uh, I'll pay with this, this shoebox full of cash. And my dog's name is blah, blah, blah. And my wife's in Hawaii right now. And she's going to love this. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now I can button up the call, you know? Um, but yeah, it was very awkward. How, a half an hour was the longest client um, situation where we had to sit there and just stare at each other. It was very weird. You very know, awkward. Five minutes feels like a half an oh hour in that situation. Yeah. I felt like I had been in that kitchen for my whole life. It was it was horrible. It was a very awkward, awkward feeling. We should, we should pause this podcast for 30 minutes with silence just to let people know what that feels like and then come back. They in. feel like they know what it's like from some of our intros, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it, you just watched an episode of The Office <laughs> while Coral and uh, John there were, uh, were giving each other the silent treatment. So I'm going to give you guys, speaking of the silent treatment, one of my um, other things, speaking of like mistakes, was, I, have you guys ever heard of the porch light clothes? I love it. It's my favorite. Porch light clothes. No, I'm not familiar. Oh, boy. This is going to be good. Let's go. I call it the porch light clothes. So what I do is I can tell that I have some clients on the fence, right? They're, they really want to talk about it. They're very, very interested. They've asked me tons of questions. I actually have both of them home, um, very interactive. I've gone over my findings, gone over my quotes, given them prices. And I can tell that they want to say to me, can you email it? Or, or if they say, can you email it? I'm like, I already did. I already emailed it to you. It's already sitting in your email, right? And they love that because they're like, oh, okay. So she was going to let us think about it and she's not being pushy. So. So that's really cool. That takes a lot of stress off of people. But what I do, and you have to time it right, and I don't know the exact timing. I can just kind of feel it after doing it for a while. I will stand up from wherever I'm sitting. And a lot of times I kneel. I kneel down. If my clients are sitting on the couch, I won't sit on their couch. I kneel down so that I'm really on their level and I can look at them eye to eye. I like to do that with my clients. And so what I'll do is I'll stand up. And I'm like, you know what? I really, really do not need to be involved in your guys' financial decisions. Um, why don't I go out to my truck? I have a couple of phone calls that I need to make. I have a client that's been calling me nonstop since I've been here. Let me go help her with her remote batteries or whatever, right? And I'll tell them something like that. I'm going to go hang out. You guys talk. Um, tell you what why don't you turn the porch light on when you're ready for me to come back inside and they're like yeah <laughs> we just want some space right and so I go out to my truck and it usually takes them no more than five minutes five minutes is all it takes I am standing at my truck watching for that porch light to come on the second it comes back on I give them about an additional 30 seconds so I'm not standing at the door, waiting to bust back in, casually wrapping up a conversation. I walk back up to the door. I step back inside. 
I show them, you know, I, I go to stick my hand out to shake their hand and I'm like, so are you going to shake my hand or are you going to push it away? And they shake my hand every single time they do. I've never not closed a sale that they didn't let me back in a second time. Brilliant. I, I, that's a, a clever take on it while allowing them the, you know, the ability to stay in control, but while you're still there on site. So it's like that safe distance thing. Uh, yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. It works very, very, very well. And I've, like I said, I mean, it has worked a hundred percent of the time with me. Um, I'm sure that, you know, if other people have tried it, it doesn't work every single time, but I have definitely learned that if a client is willing to let me back into their house a second time, that job is 90% more likely to sell than not. And when I say that, I'm also referring to follow-up calls as well. So even if it's not the porch light closed and I'm, and I don't stay on site, if I got a client that really does just say, no, my husband is at work. I really need to talk to him. Okay. No problem at all. Is there a better time maybe where I could come back when both of you are home? I know that I gave you guys a lot of information today and you're going to have a lot of questions that you would like answers. Um, maybe I could come back at like six o'clock. Will you guys both be home then? Well, that would be absolutely fantastic. Could you come by at five thirty? No problem at all. If they let me back in that house a second time, I'm selling that job. There's no doubt in my mind at all. Has anybody ever forgotten to turn the porch light on or like how, to, how does that work when, uh, when, when they the, forget the bulbs out and they <laughs> the, don't know? Yeah. They'll come and get me. They, I, I did have one client that, you know, he, he walked out to my truck and we had a conversation out there for a little while before we went in. It was a $60,000 job. It was equipment, indoor air quality, all kinds of stuff. I think I sold a panel over there, a water heater. I mean, this was a big freaking job, 60 grand worth of work. And, um, I said, flip on your porch light, John. And he was like, I didn't want to flip my porch light on, but I did want to come out and talk to you in private. And, uh, so we're talking in his driveway and he said, you're really, really good at what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My company keeps me around for a reason. And he said, well, we're definitely going to do business with you. When can you do it? You know, and we had a conversation just standing out by the truck and, and that's what he wanted. He, he just wanted to come out to the truck, but yeah, they'll, they'll figure out a way. They, they will never forget about me being out there. They know that I'm out there. So Man, I whether sold, the uh, one or they come and track me down or whatever, they will find you for I sure. S- I sold timeshares for a year and a half and the kiss of death was when they, when they opened uh, at the end by saying you were, you were an, amazing salesperson. Like yeah. as soon as they start telling me how good I am at what I do, I'm like, uh, all right, get ready to overcome some objections here. Here comes some hurdles. Yeah. And it, most of my clients will tell me that after they, after they have purchased something, if they sign oh, the yeah, invoice. Absolutely. Afterwards, for sure. Really good at what you do. I hope your boss takes really good care of you. I'm like, my boss doesn't pay me. I pay myself. You do know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> You pay me. Well, that's the great part about them saying yes and us saying yes as customers. As soon as as soon as we say yes and make the purchase, the the all the tension goes away. And we really, you know, you logically start backing the purchase up, and you really start enjoying everything about it before you even actually own it. And it becomes a very a very happy experience. You you get elated 
by the transaction. And funny enough with the, you know, amateur salespeople out there who haven't learned this yet, the more tension, the longer that silent period is, the more they, they kind of go back and forth before saying yes, the more elated they are after they say yes. And the reason you'll get a no and get a bad review is you just didn't wait it out long enough. Like you didn't, I don't want to say push hard enough. Cause I, I do want to say that cause it's what kind of naturally comes to mind, but we don't, we don't push clients. We just, you know, the only tension there is the tension they put on themselves. But the longer you can wait that out and the more times you can ask and the more help you can offer them with overcoming their objections that t- typically 90% are actual objections that they think are keeping them from becoming an owner of the, the product or service. And all they really need is your help showing them how they can do it anyway. But in, mm-hmm. the, in the beginning of our selling careers, we just think, oh, well, that's just a no. And they hate me. And now I need to go lick my wounds because I got all this rejection or whatever. When realistically they say no. And you say, if you don't mind me asking what's stopping you. And they say, this is what's stopping me. And you show them how you can do it anyway. Then they'll do it. Oftentimes they'll do it. They actually think that's keeping them from going forward. A lot of times it's just the money uh, when they think, you know, they have to write a check right here, right now for this amount. Yeah. Well, and my favorite clients too are the ones where I walk in right away and I'm already just immediately, I step one foot in their door and they are already giving me objections about why they're not going to buy anything at all today. Those are my favorite. And I completely ignore them. I ignore their statements. They're, you're too expensive. Um, I can't afford this right now. I don't care if it's broken. I'm not buying anything from you today. I'm like, not a problem. I'm, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm here to maintain your equipment. Not a big deal. I'm telling you, by the end of an hour and all of the objections thrown at me through the call as I'm walking down the hallway, closing the objection doors, um, those clients are sitting at the table signing twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar jobs. I, I, I truly feel like when you walk in the door and a client's like, I'm not buying anything today, they're terrified that you are going to give them options because those are the biggest buyers that you will ever come across. Ever. I have calls sometimes on my schedule that are like, I don't want the technician to carry in their iPad. That iPad means that I am going to buy something today and I don't want to hear it. And they spend a ton of money with me. I love them. <laughs> they, uh, that, that defense mechanism tells you something right up front, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not buying anything today. Well, <laughs> you see, actually, you don't want to buy anything today, but you, but you know you want to, you know? Right. Those why, are my why, would you, why would you say that? If you were, put yourself in the customer's shoes, your customer, customer coral here, you know, uh, our, our first client of the day. Why would you open the front door and say, just to let you know, Nate, I'm not buying anything today. Other than mm-hmm. the fact that every time you open that door for a salesperson, you do what? Buy. <laughs> the only reason you would say that. Why else would you say it? Only reason why you would say it. Because they are buyers and they, they truly, truly are. I, I love those clients. Um, I had the coolest clients yesterday. I sold $5,000 in indoor air quality products to them. They had 18 quotes left before me from our company. Everybody who walked on site had, now whether it helped or not, it probably did help that maybe some of the products were already in the back of their brain, right? Somebody had already gone in there and maybe planted a little seed. 
But regardless, the technicians before me, all 18 quotes were never sold. 18 quotes? 18 quotes, yes. This guy had 18 quotes from us. And was this like people coming out twice a year for a maintenance and then maybe a repair here and there and people just kept kept making the offer? Exactly. So 18 quotes. And um, I mean, he had quotes in there for a full air conditioner. He had a quote in there for panels from our electricians, outlets, little things like hot tub hookups. And then I started getting into the HVAC quotes where it was a 24 volt filter was quoted maybe here or there. And then a UV light and duct cleaning was quoted. And the second I walked down to his furnace and I stuck my phone in the blower cage and his blower motor was just covered in dust. He was standing with me. I love clients that hang out with me during the tune-up because that's when I close all of their objections and they can see me working. So they know I'm truly, truly working. I'm there to service their equipment. I'm there to be of service to them. I love when clients hang out with me. A lot of technicians don't. I do. I encourage my clients to hang out. Um, he stayed with me the whole time. And the very first words out of his mouth, when I opened up that door and I looked in, I said, Whoa, he said, yeah, you guys quoted me out on a duct cleaning last year. And it was way too expensive. And I said, yeah, uh, a proper duct cleaning can definitely be expensive. Um, but it's definitely a lot more expensive if you hire a cheap duct cleaner. And it kind of got his, I could tell his brain started spinning a little bit. By the end of that call, I had sold a WV, 24-volt filter, duct cleaning, a dryer vent cleaning, and an expansion tank for his water heater, as well as the scale RX to go on his water heater. I have no idea how I got there. I don't know how I got to the end of the call. All I know is that I built enough value in those products for him to want to now not just purchase a duct cleaning. A $1,000 duct cleaning was way too expensive for him when I walked into the house. And now he just signed a $5,000 quote and financed it one year, same as cash, to get these products into his home when it was talked to him 18 times before I walked into that house. It, It was awesome. That is awesome, Coral. And I love how you're just so excited to share those successes. I know our listeners hear it too, and we'd sure love to hear more about it. Uh, we're about out of time on this podcast. Would you be willing to come back next week and keep sharing uh, some of your stories with us? I would be absolutely honored. Well, that's a wrap for this part of the episode. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, it's been a great time already, and we are sure looking forward to the conclusion of our conversation next week. We hope that this episode has been beneficial to you and has challenged you in new and exciting ways. It's still young in the year, and so there's plenty of time to set some goals and plan out your course for how you're going to accomplish them. And we here would really recommend that you do that and you take it seriously. Put some time into setting where you want to go. Set the course, figure out how to overcome the problems, and go get it. Maybe indoor air quality is your specialty, or maybe it's something that you want to become your specialty, or maybe you're in another industry altogether and you're just looking to get better as a whole. Whatever it is, find a way to do that. We hope that the Waste No Day podcast is part of that option and making you better, but there's plenty of other opportunities and people out there to help you do the same. As we close our podcast today, we want to leave you with our weekly challenge, which is the same every single time, and that is to choose to wake up each morning and waste no day. 